You're listening to Movie Mixtape on CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm your host, Alyssa Matthews. Here's my interview with Yuta Brindemule, the program curator at the Guta Institute in Toronto. We spoke about Guta's latest film programming of Yulik Ottinger in Asia. All right. Uh, I am here with Yuta uh, Brindemule and... Uh, we are going to talk about some programming taking place at the Guta Institute, um, some of their film programming coming up. Uh, they have a film series by the German director Ulrich Oettinger. And so if you could just tell me maybe a little bit about uh, Oettinger and her work. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, for your interest. I'm amazed that uh, you know a lot of the student population in the city at Ryerson and of U of T is interested in Ulrike Ottinger, who is 75, but um, as young as they come, as you will find out when you see the three films that we're showing. Um, she started working in the in the 60s as an artist. Um, she comes out of the queer uh, counterculture of Berlin of the times, um, and you know it goes from there. You you can just imagine how quirky and absurd and surreal it all is. Um, there's a lot of references to Fellini and Chantal Ackermann. And uh, recurringly, and I find that completely amazing, she's called a, uh, the precursor to Matthew Barney. So to really, you know, out there extreme um, uh, artist. Nice. And so the three films that uh, are showing, could you kind of give me an idea of Maybe why those were the three. She has like a large body of work and and of course it shows, I think, a, diff a few different moods and kind of uh, and, and goes over different ideas. And she works in documentary and then also in right. in mm -hmm. in uh, stories. And so what what was the draw of these three films? Yeah, you're quite right. You can't do Ulrike Ottinger justice in, in just three films, but I, I chose them wisely, I hope, to show uh, a bit of the, the amazing range of her work. Um, some of her films are not either or. Um, they're not feature films or documentary. For example, the, the last film was showing a completely wild ride. Some people call it the lesbian Lawrence of Arabia. It's a road movie in a way on the Trans-Siberian uh, Railway. It kind of flips in the middle, the middle being after an hour and a half. It flips from sort of crazy surreal narrative uh, uh, film into documentary style. So she always goes back and transfers uh, cultures and, and styles quite a bit. And we just decided to uh, focus on her love of Asia and Asian cultures. And I really mean Asia. She's done films in Korea, several in China, um, in Mongolia, famously two of them and one we're showing. Um, there's also the one that we decided to show is called Exile Shanghai, which is... Um, also harks back to her Jewish heritage, her own Jewish heritage, although she wasn't a refugee. Um, that deals with the uh, of the Jewish diaspora, the European Jewish diaspora in the uh, the China's metropolis. Um, it's a beautiful film because it speaks a lot to her approach to how you look at other cultures. She always looks at it both ways, like who leaves traces, which traces where. So she shows how the uh, the Jewish diaspora left traces in Shanghai, but also 
how Shanghai and China left traces in the Jewish diaspora who actually moved on to uh, San Francisco. So most of these witnesses, some of them, of course, are now dying. Um, and she captured it just as, as it was possible um, uh, have kind of Asia, carry Asia in them, just like uh, I think Ulrike Ottinger does. Uh, she has a story how as a six-year-old she had the first encounter with uh, uh, Mongolian art and was fascinated and hooked ever after. I guess it's interesting to think of someone that uh, that had access to art work because she's someone that came up within an artistic family, that that's sort of the thing that that stuck with her. You're certainly right about her, just her love of the arts and really everything. Her her father was a painter, um, but in all the films that were showing, there's opera, there's kabuki, there's uh, any kind of like wild performance, live music on the train, the Trans-Siberian Railway that I just mentioned. Um, there's frequent literary references in her work. Um, I wouldn't tie her down to one particular culture and of course outside of the body of work of her Asian films so to speak um, there's a whole range of other films um, to her I would just wonder what Ulrike Ottinger would say she would probably say it doesn't matter because place doesn't matter um, there's one famous brilliant film that's maybe a bit too wild for this uh, particular series it's called Madame X and it's about a female pirate in China and she wanted to make it in China in the 80s so we're talking before the fall of the wall right and it, it just couldn't happen for technical and reasons and censorship reasons she had to make it at home at home being Lake Constance which is at the border of Germany and Austria and Switzerland where she grew up so she made this Chinese film uh, so to speak uh, right in the middle of Germany she just again the transfer of culture that's what's important to her it's all in the imagination I think that uh, yeah when you say that sort of transfer of culture and then the the films you chose which you're co you're co uh, showing them with a number of other cultural institutes in Toronto I think that maybe shows I, I guess I'd be interested in your, your thoughts about what that shows about Toronto culture in the fact that these are sort of these German films but that they touch so many different communities and are specifically being shown with uh, with you know these other communities with uh, as, as stakeholders in it. Yeah, you know, I didn't program them that way. But of course, then when I had programmed the series to, you know, hopefully sort of make sense, it goes from Japan to China to uh, Mongolia and shows different styles um, in her work. And then I realized, oh, my God, I have to talk to the Japan Foundation. Oh, my God, I have to talk to uh, the Jewish, uh, Toronto Jewish Film Society. Uh, oh, wait, I also got to talk to Inside Out. And everybody came on board immediately. You know, she's a feminist. So the Muff Society uh, is, is co-presenting the whole series, um, hot dogs and point of view from a sort of documentary perspective. And again, it's not clear cut. So we're all co-presenting these films. The feedback has been phenomenal. Something absolutely amazing actually happened an hour ago uh, as I walked out of the office. We got a phone call and somebody wanted to reserve seven tickets um, to Exile Shanghai, that film about the Jewish diaspora. And the person actually said, I am one of them. I am. I, I grew up in Shanghai as a Jewish 
German Jewish child uh, in exile um, and I want to show I've heard about this film I've never seen it because these are rarely seen if you don't see them now uh, that's sort of the beauty but also the the sad thing about the you know presenting European art house um, uh, far away from home in a way is that you know I get to show these films once some of them are Canadian premieres um, I was surprised myself that under snow the fairly recent um, and quite accessible and very beautiful Japanese film, so to speak, of hers is a Canadian premiere. Nobody has ever shown it, um, while the Japan Foundation and the Goethe Institute in Japan have co-produced this film. Um, so anyway, I'm really looking forward to that particular screening next week, where you know there will be a survivor in the audience, somebody who can actually, yeah, talk to us about that experience and see how they relate to these six characters that Ulrike Ottinger interviewed uh, for the film. And again, with that, her queerness kind of just comes in and it's completely natural. It's always there. People always ask me, so, you know, which which film is particularly lesbian or queer? And I'm like, I don't know, none or all of them. Uh, because, you know, it's also pretty gutsy to talk to uh, uh, Holocaust survivors that are well in their 80s, some in their 90s. And one of them is a gay man who talks about, um, you know, the gay clubs in Shanghai and what that looked like in the 30s. And it was pretty wild, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> can only imagine. <laughs> uh, you had just mentioned sort of uh, like what what of her what films are feminist, and that you know it's all or or none of them. And I'm sort of interested in I guess in her work. Um, yeah, the fact that uh, that she was continually creating work that was focused on the stories of women, and also was a, a like a woman in the in film creating and producing. Can you, I guess, maybe talk more about that and uh, and sort of her history within within cinematic in filmmaking? I guess. Yeah, that's a, a f completely fascinating but very complex story. Um, <clears throat> I would call her a feminist filmmaker, whether she, yeah, she probably agree. Um, she certainly is a very consciously and always has been very early on in the 60s, 70s, been a female filmmaker. She's also known, um, and that speaks, of course, towards, you know, the, the kind of person she is. She's been working with the same kind of people, um, artistic teams, uh, as well as crews for decades now. Um, and some of her tech people are women. And that that was not normal that still isn't normal <laughs> frankly um, and it certainly wasn't normal back then but she also decided early on to uh, self-produce a lot of her work because you're quite right she falls outside of a lot of these categories so when you know people who know their way around uh, uh, international cinema think of the 70s say in Germany Werner Herzog, Fassbinder, uh, uh, Wim Wenders maybe come to mind, you know, these, these kind of four or five uh, very strong uh, male filmmakers who formed the so-called New German Cinema. There was one particular woman in that realm that was Margarete von Trotta, and I just finished a retrospective on, on her work. She and those those uh, men in that movement were completely different in style and, and purpose from Ulrike Ottinger. And Ulrike Ottinger has always said, I, I never 
belonged to that that world. I was never attached to new German cinema. She did her own thing. She always did uh, what was called art cinema then, which became increasingly difficult to uh, uh, to produce and fund, of course. You know, while German funding, the German funding system is relatively uh, lavish compared to North American funding systems. Uh, but she's always relied on herself. Um, I also love the stories, especially with this theme of sort of Ulrike Ottinger in Asia. She has great stories of the uh, censorship that she encounters, right? She was under government surveillance every time she uh, set foot in China uh, and Mongolia. Um, and she always managed to, you know, at least after the wall came down, to uh, make her films. And uh, there's one um, one critic who was with her while she shot uh, Johanna Dark of Mongolia, the last film we're showing. And he said, you know, it was amazing to see we were on this really strong surveillance in the hotel. We knew it. It was it was like in your face um, and a lot of restrictions on what they were allowed to do, where they were allowed to go, what they were allowed to shoot. But um, he said she was she nearly thrived on that because she also thought, you know what, A, I'm going to I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to resist this. I'm going to make my film. So she has grit, you know, speaking of sort of hashtag times up. Uh, she should probably uh run that movement and uh, <laughs> tell us how tell us how it's done I mean she's done it for so long to stand up to of course mostly uh, male and power uh, um, you know power structures in in the film industry wow. um, I think one of the things you had mentioned and kind of with the idea of power structures or even just I guess almost normalization is sort of the idea of that uh, new um, new German cinema and the specifically men that were kind of setting the tone of the films. And I found uh, one quote, which was in the New York Times, that uh, that said that she was almost like a one-woman avant-garde opposition to the sulky male melodramas <laughs> <laughs> that were being made at that time. And uh, that made me kind of think, I, I guess, sort of, especially with um, the... with. Johanna de Arc of Mongolia and sort of some of the films that maybe are uh, in some ways sort of fun like um, yeah. sort of you had said it was yeah, it, can be, it was almost a road movie I'm just wondering if you could talk to sort of the that that sort of I guess humor or interest in fun or like almost wink in some of her work yeah, wink is a is a great uh, term for what she has, and I always I always say to people, you you better bring uh, a sense of humor to uh, watching an Ulrike Ottinger film. For one, many of them are not that narrative. They're not anti-narrative either, you know. So they're not crazy out there, experimental, uh, and you know, nearly unwatchable. God knows, I've just seen some of those at the Berlin Film Festival uh, last week. Um, so it's not that there there are sort of narratives, but there's also breaks. And she just has a I really feels like she loves the world. She loves cultures. She's curious like a child. And she still is. Um, we're showing, as you said, one documentary, not by her, but about her, um, that also comes out of the Berlin Film Festival that has honored her with the um, Queer Teddy Award, the Lifetime Achievement Teddy Award, um, among other things. And um, I think among what makes her successful over, you know, five nearly six decades of work now she's just finishing up her next documentary in Paris as we speak so she hasn't stopped working is that 
that that humor, curiosity, that love of people, and that acceptance and tolerance. She just lets people be. Um, I mean, one of her cult films is called Freak Orlando, uh, and uh, she means it. You know, she shows f so-called freaks, but she shows them as this is what people are. She's absolutely non-judgmental. I find, uh, and maybe that makes it, you know, not easy to sort of find answers if people are looking for sort of political direction or answers from her. She's not going to give you that, but she's going to give you ample fodder to sort of, you know, form your own sense, more a sense than an understanding. It's not all super rational. Um, you know, you can't always ask for, ooh, what's the motivation for this character? Because, oops, and we're going into a song scene, you know? <laughs> uh, it's not exactly La La Land, but um, especially Johanna Dark of Mongolia is just a wild ride. And then her later work, which we're actually starting with, uh, is a bit more straightforward and a bit more austere or more quiet and very poetic. But again, it all feeds out of the arts you know there's performance there's calligraphy there's food she has a fascination with food and a love of food and has done whole like uh, gallery shows about that so um, it's very sensual and sensory I like that idea of sensual and sensory and being the way that her film fe it feels almost and you get mm -hmm. to you get this immersive experience so you had also mentioned the way that we talk about her she has this huge body of work that has been made over decades of time but then also is still this very active and vibrant filmmaker who's still in the midst of making film and then also um, we had been talking beforehand about uh, her being a judge for the documentary film. So I guess I'm just kind of wondering about being a, a name of modern German cinema and then also still being active within it. Yeah, that's an interesting point because, I mean, you know, so she is an icon. She, you know, she really sort of has a cult following in, in Germany, but also the international sort of, especially the, the queer community. Um I think she's still, like, if I had to associate her with anybody in the sort of German film scene right now, I just couldn't. Um, I'm sure, again, she's leaving traces. Um, but from what I know, she hasn't been teaching, as many others do, of course, while they make films. She hasn't been teaching extensively. She's, I think she's literally just too busy. Um, but just thinking back, as you mentioned, she just like last week, uh, was on the uh, Three People Berlinale Documentary Award uh, jury. And um, this award went to uh, Ruth Ackermann. Ruth Ackermann is a mm, fairly well-known uh, Austrian filmmaker. And I didn't get to see the film, unfortunately, but I read many of the reviews. Um, she made a film very controversial and highly lauded about uh, Kurt Waldheim. Uh, that was a big scandal in the 80s. He was uh, the United Nations Secretary General, uh, an Austrian politician, who also, everybody knew this was uh, a major uh, SS figure uh, under the Nazi regime, uh, but was still, you know, had a fine post-war career, as so many. So, um, again, I mean, she was only part of that jury, but I thought that was so interesting that, again, there there is Ulrike Ottinger, and the award goes to a female filmmaker. Um, she's on a documentary jury, and it goes to uh, a film that tackles... Nazism, you know, she, again, she has, she's of Jewish heritage, although she's not, uh, she always says she's not very religious. Um, 
And she just makes a mark. She makes it quietly, but she makes her statements. And uh, as I also mentioned, uh, uh, you know, she has a community around uh, her. For example, during each Berlinale, it's famous. There's the Ulrike Ottinger breakfast. She literally invites people from the film community into her living room. Um, and that's her. Very authentic, very down to earth. Also, you know, the, the environment that she... Um, comes from the south of uh, Germany. It's, you know, it's sort of very rural area that she comes from. And I think that's just her. I think she's there as a bit of a... Um, she looms in the background, but it's not that there's a school of Ottinger that I see continue. And maybe her impact is larger uh, internationally and larger in the arts world as those frequent references to uh, Matthew Barney go. And who knows what's still to come. Um, the documentary about her that we're showing um, uh, pulled out her pop artwork that she created. She started out as a trained painter. So she created pop art in the, in the early days. And this, you know, these works have been pulled out of archives and put in galleries again. So, I mean, there's also tons of stuff we haven't seen from her. Where can people find more information about the about the, sh the films that are being shown? Yeah, so this whole series is part of our ongoing film program that's that's called Goethe Films of, you know, contemporary and not so contemporary German art house films. That happens three times a year. We screen at the Tiffbell Lightbox um, and we're starting this Thursday, which is March, uh, March 1st at 6.30 with Under Snow. Then as a contextualization, we're showing that second uh, documentary Nomad from the Lake. Uh, it's called Ulrike Ottinger, Nomad from the Lake, which is a brilliant title because, yes, she grew up next to this lake and it's very important. Water is very important in her work and nomadism is very important in her work. And then we continue next week, Tuesday, um, and next week, Thursday, with the uh, two films that are quite long. So they are sort of, you know, they'll take up the whole evening. Exile Shanghai and Johanna Dark of Mongolia. A trilingual title. I always stumble over. It starts in German, Johanna Dark. Uh, so it's not Jean Dark, but it's Johanna Dark of Mongolia. And she did that quite consciously. Actually, the main character, um, just to give you another sort of sensory feel of this, is called Lady Windermere. I think it's an alter ego of Ulrike Ottinger. She's kind of like this fantastic lady on this on this train. And she speaks fluent Mongolian. It's just brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, come see us and, and um, yeah, join that community community it's collaborative watching it really needs that experience like you said it is, these are not you don't want to watch it on on netflix it's not really possible actually <laughs> all right well thank you very much thank you so much thanks for listening and be sure to tune in on friday at 4 p.m for our oscar 2018 program to hear past episodes of movie mixtape and for more information on today's program visit our archive at film.cjru.ca for Movie Mixtape, I'm Elissa Matthews.